What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Championship Leadership Podcast. And uh, extremely excited for today's guest and for you guys to listen in. This was uh, a top episode that I've had the pleasure over the 250 plus episodes that we've done so far on Championship Leadership. Today's was uh, definitely towards the top. Great conversation. Uh, but before we jump into that, before I introduce you any further into our guest today, uh, make sure you check my website out, natebailey.org. You can find a copy of my free audiobook, 100 Mile Mindset. You can also check out all the other previous episodes that we've had along with some of the information on the other programs that I have inside of the leadership uh, experiences that I run, CL24 Championship Leadership 24-Hour Experience, as well as our three-day Unleash the Leader Within uh, Leadership Experience as well. So Today's guest, our, our powerful guest today, incredible guest out of Portland, Oregon. His name is Chris Duffin. He is, uh, he has an incredible story. It's a best-selling book called The Eagle and the Dragon that I would encourage you to check out. You can hop on his website at chrisduffin.com. Duffin spelled just like muffin with a D. And uh, he's a, uh, a number one ranked world champion power lifter, uh, but he's so much more than that. Uh, he has very successful companies in the strength space, equipment space, uh, Kabuki strength, barefoot athletics. He also has uh, an incredible supplement company as well. So just we talked about all, all kinds of things, his story, uh, how he got to where he is today, uh, some of the journey that he took to get there. And uh, with that, I want to introduce you to the incredible Chris Duffin. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to Championship Leadership Podcast. And today we got Chris Duffin out of uh, Portland, Oregon. Chris, thanks for being here, man. Looking forward to some good conversation this morning, Nate. Absolutely. Um, so the first uh, question that I always kick us off with is the name of the podcast is Championship Leadership. So, you know, what comes to mind for you or what, what does championship leadership mean to you when you hear that? I, I think about leadership in a in a lot of perspectives. Uh, I have had the the opportunity to to work in that environment as both a you know a, in the corporate executive in that 
that world uh, as an athlete and as a coach in that world for world-class performance and as a, an entrepreneur founding their own businesses. And it's, uh, there, there's a lot of common things that run from one area to the next, but there's also, there's definitely some differences uh, as well. What would be, what are some of those differences that, that kind of stand out to you? Uh, some of the differences is like in the, uh, the corporate world, at least my experience, you know, a lot of stuff that I did was around leading change, leading organizational change. And so a lot of that is really applicable across, uh, across boundaries as far as sports, entrepreneurship, is getting people to understand that going into the unknown, that space of unknowing and not knowing your capabilities, not knowing what on the outside is, is going to be a transformational thing that it is going to be not just a business thing, but a, it's a, it's very much a personal thing. So, so on that level, you're going to get a huge level of engagement. You're going to be able to do things again, a lot, getting people to accomplish things that they never knew or thought that they were capable of themselves. And as they come out of the outside of that, that's where that engagement, that excitement, that, that ownership of those aspects of their life and other aspects you'll start seeing happening. Now, in those environments, being in the leadership role, usually it involves being very consistent. You know, people need to know what they, what to expect when they come to you for advice or something has gone wrong or any number of issues. And so there's a bit of a difference though, when you move into the entrepreneurial or creative space. So in that arena, you're, you're truly trying to determine as an organization, how can we really change and affect the world? And so it is a, to me, it's almost a little bit of a form of artwork as far as leadership and getting people excited, but going into, you know, ideas and places that no one's been before and being a leader in that environment to do that you need to be in that more creative headspace. You need to be more in touch with your personal emotions and things like that. And you're going to end up actually being less of a leader in, in essence, as far as that really well-known, just like person that no matter how, how you touch on them, they're always going to be consistent and even keel having that even rudder that's steering the ship, which is what I did. I was that steady hand that steered a ship you know, as, you know, through troubled times to get a company, you know, save, turn around uh, to now in these roles, I'm a little bit, I'm definitely much less of that. There's more emotions on the sleeve because you're, you have to be in this, this creative space, which guess what that means being in touch with those things, being, allowing yourself to have bigger ups and downs and also making sure that you've got really great time for creative thinking as well. So you can't just, you've got to have that built in. And so it's just, it's a very different uh, dynamic when it comes to, to managing individuals, but also then what does this mean for how the company, am I effectively making this organizational system work really well? Or am I taking an organizational system and trying to accomplish something in the world that hasn't been done before? And then that's where things start, start shifting. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I love that. And yeah, I appreciate you taking the time to kind of make some of those distinctions. Yeah, it's uh, so true as an entrepreneur myself, I can definitely relate to that. What's, uh, why don't we talk just a little bit and share with the audience that isn't familiar with who you are, a little bit about your story Good. and kind of how you've gotten to where you are today and what you're up to. Uh, yeah, so how, how far back do you want me to go? Uh, I would, you know, you go back as far as, uh, you know, you think it's pertinent to relevant for listeners here. Um, yeah, I'll leave that up to you. All right. Well, I, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll go way back. So this is, uh, covered in my life story is a, is a bestselling book, the Eagle and the Dragon. And it really details a, a pretty wild scope of life. And over that life, you know, the book is not a biography, but it's really a st- it's a framework for articulating a lot of philosophies and helping a person dive into the introspective space to understand themselves better, what they want out of life, and then how to create the goals that will help live those values in the life that they want and, and actualize that. And so it's a, it's a very, well, it's a bestseller in things like human psychology and self-help and things like that for a reason, because uh, it spends quite a bit of time in that space, but doesn't tell you necessarily how to live kind of guides you on that process of discovering those things yourself. But I use the, the story of my life to articulate a lot of these messages because it is unique. So I, I grew up, the first half of the book is called the, uh, the Eagle. And it's about discovering your strengths and your potential. And also a big theme around it is understanding that the environment and the things that have happened to you aren't the things that really define you. You're defined by your actions and responses to those things. That's what you have control over. And thus, the beautiful thing is you get to define that every single day. The scary thing is you have to define that every single day. But uh, I grew up homeless uh, in the wilderness. So we're talking foraging for food, killing animals, you know, going down to the stream with a gallon bucket to fill it up with water and laying in the sun so you could dump over your head, uh, living in condemned shacks and homes with no electricity, no running water, uh, living in the back of a truck and, you know, <laughs> below freezing weather with snow, snow all around. And it was, it was definitely a, a different experience than most people have had growing up. In fact, living on the outskirts of society, which is what my parents chose to do. They were really highly intelligent people. And my father was a member of Mensa. My mom was top student athlete and had scholarships to become a, a chemical engineer. But they didn't want to be part of this world or society. And they were trying to figure out how to, how to create their own life away from that. So, But when you're living there, you're in the middle of dealing with you know, drug and alcohol abuse drug running. There's murderers. There was a serial killer. There's human trafficking. There's, there's some pretty freaking whack shit that happened over the course of my young life. And I detail those out. And then there's myself and what I learned in the process, what I learned about, you know, confronting fear when you're six years old and you're being taught how to capture and hold live rattlesnakes in your hand. The fact that you've got to you can't be afraid. If you're afraid, you're dead. But you also have to respect the say, you know, can't be fearless because being fearless is reckless. And that means you're dead, right? And so these are real hard life lessons that I learned really early on. And then 
uh, it travels through as I started going to school. Uh, I was pretty good at athletics and academics. Uh, like I said, we were, my parents were pretty intelligent. So the library was our friend. I mean, stacks and stacks. We didn't have TV or radio most of the time. And so reading was by candlelight or flashlight was, was the thing. And things got worse when I was going to college at home and significantly worse. And so I ended up taking custody of my three younger sisters and I raised them while I was pursuing my dual engineering degree. I was working full time while I did that. While I was pursuing my master's in business, I was working full time while I did that. And then as I started my career and I was pretty successful. I mean, I was a quiet, introverted kid. I was the kid that people made fun of because my toes were sticking out the side of my shoes. I was, you know, not only was my stuff out of date, but it was dirty. I might've smelled funny at times. You know, I was moving. I probably went to 20 different schools. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't the popular kid, right? So all of a sudden I found myself in these leadership roles and doing really well. It took me a while to kind of learn a little bit of socialization that happened like in college. Um, and that's where I started drinking as well, uh, which kind of helped uh, me in that process, the social lubricant. But quickly, you know, the, the things that I had seen and witnessed growing up, I quickly fell into abuse of that and had to step away from that as well. But I advanced fairly quickly. And next thing you know, I'm this sought after executive that was getting hired to come in and turn around divisions of companies, turn around entire companies, get them prepped and ready for sale, taking somebody from a regional to national to international presence. I, my biggest was a turnaround of an aerospace company that was failing in performance to Boeing, uh, failing financially. I got them turned around to be the number one supplier in the world in its category for Boeing financially solvent and prepped and sold. And so that was, uh, that was what I did. I worked in automotive manufacturing, high-tech manufacturing. At the same time, oh yeah, I lifted weights. I, I mentioned that. I started lifting weights in 1988. And that has been, that was a big boost in my confidence. That's the thing that really helped me through high school and college, like gaining that self-confidence, the self-esteem, uh, being involved in sports and helped again, kind of that turnaround in the, the mental space for myself. And so it's something that's never left me. And I started competing in powerlifting in 2000, quickly got kicked out of gyms because they didn't like a guy like me lifting heavy weights in there, even though I'm really uh, uh, amenable and <laughs> incredibly nice, uh, just didn't fit. So I ended up uh, training at home and that grew. And so next thing you know, I'm running an aerospace company and I've got a, you know, a 9,000 square foot gym is a side business with my training partner uh, because we just needed a place to train. We wanted to have, there's three things. This is, you need the right environment. That means the right people around you, right? <laughs> the right methodology yeah. and the right tools. And so I'm like, I want to be the best in the world. So I have to create that simple. So, so that was the entirety. It wasn't meant to be a business. Right. And I was competing. I think I was ranked number one in the world for like eight years straight. And I get to this point. There's a point to all this. I get to this point and I'm getting close to 40 years old. I've got two kids. I'm married. I've got a house with a white picket fence. I'm making lots of money and I'm looking at myself and I'm like, well, I proved everybody wrong. This poor homeless, you know, kid <laughs> from the mountains 
could be a success. I could live the American dream. I'm like, I proved it. I did it. And I'm like, but I'm not happy. But I'm not happy. Why is that? Like this American dream was, was it my dream though? And so this is, you know, drove me into what becomes the second half of the book. And this is the dragon. It's the Ouroboros. So the eagle is flying to whatever heights. Uh, the only thing I've got is this giant tattoo I had done at 20 years old as I got out of high school. Big eagle covering my stomach when covering my back. And they're both shackled trying to take flight down to my ankle. And that's the first half of the book. And that was my life was living that to say, you could fly to whatever heights that you wanted in the world. The only thing holding you back at the end of the day was yourself. And I did that. The second half of the book is more purposeful. And this is where I drive people into the process of really understanding who you are and how you want to live. And this is, I call it the purposeful reinvention of oneself. So it's the deciding specifically who and how you want to be in the world and becoming that person. And so at that time in my life, I chose to walk away from that crazy career, sell my homes, put leverage my 401k and everything I had on the bank uh, to start Kabuki Strength. I made a lot of huge personal changes as well. There was areas in my life that I'm a very passionate person. I needed some, some big change. And lifting wasn't uh, giving me, it was too defined. I stepped away from uh, chasing, trying to be the uh, number one power lifter uh, in my class all the time to walk away from competitive lifting. I made changes in my personal relationships and basically threw everything in the world around me up in the air, except for my kids. And, and that's where I founded Kabuki Strength to really allow me to use what my skills were and my passion, which is to help people live better and to help people live better through becoming more resilient, to help people live better in understanding that their, their back pain, their shoulder pain, all these things, there's, there's ways around them. And so I had been developing a network in education around biomechanics, working with, well, you can just slip onto the advisory board for our company. It's the most well-backed uh, uh, strength company equipment company in the world. I mean, uh, we've got the best of the best in spine biomechanics, orthopedics, physical therapy, developmental kinesiology, strength coaching, like uh, backing what we do. And that's because I, I started learning a lot of that stuff. I started teaching. Uh, I started lecturing on the, the doctorate level on some of these concepts and pulling all of it together and how it works in the movement space. And that's what I wanted to do is to get people out of pain and get them living a better life and understanding the tools and the knowledge how to, how to live better uh, through the adaption to stress, development of resilience, strength. And uh, so that's what I do. I started this little company in my, my, my garage. I already owned the gym. Started, I've been producing content for a long time. And then over the next five years, developed a globally recognized brand. We're used, I think there's maybe, I think there's three major league uh, baseball teams that don't use our product. Every other one does. About 90% total of the NBA, NFL, any college you can think of, 600 plus, all the big name schools, big figures out there like uh, The Rock, LeBron, Thor, a lot of other movie stars and stuff like that you'll see uh, down in LA. They use our stuff. 
uh, is pretty crazy. And that has been built over the course of five years because of we're trying to do the right thing. We're bringing innovation into this space. We're not trying to sell products. We're not trying to sell services. We're creating things that live that purpose. The business is our medium, but our, you know, our values are what we're trying to accomplish are those things. And so if it's a great product and it's not bringing something new to the market, we don't really do it. It's just an interesting uh, concept. And a lot of our stuff is, it's the first time people have seen it. And so usually like the first year, people are like, I don't know, that doesn't make sense. Why do I need that? And then people start using and go, oh, oh, I see. You take all the negative stresses off of those joints and you get the body in a better position and you get a greater training effect. Like, oh, that might be a good thing. Yeah. So, so anyway, uh, that's, that's where I'm at now. I founded a couple other companies on things. I'm a supplement junkie. Build Fast Formula is a lot of stuff that I use in that space. Although I tell you, get your freaking training right. Get your freaking diet right before you ever think about that. That's the 2% on top. So I'm not going to sell you on, on uh, what it's not. And then uh, Barefoot Athletics, which is uh, spinal mechanics is the number one priority for myself. It's the largest global impact on the body. The second largest uh, global impact is the foot and ankle complex. And so building a stronger, healthy foot and ankle complex is, is essential. So I've got a minimalist shoe company that really allows the foot to, to work the way that it wants and is a great tool in the gym if, if you can't go barefoot. So uh, that is, uh, uh, and that's what, I'm, that's what I'm doing today. And I'm remarried to an amazing, wonderful woman that I'm super passionate about. I have a third child, three kids, and a great Dane running around the house. So <laughs> that's even better. I love it. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. And uh, it's most important, right? So, um, well, well, that's an incredible story. What's, um, you know, how much of, you know, your time in childhood and you know, everything that you went through, all the adversity that you, that you had to go through you think helped you to create the person you are as a leader today and what you're up to and, and the value that you're providing to people. And how much do you think of that was just natural? I think there's a lot of lessons that I learned over the course of it. And that's what I try to try to help people through in the process uh, in my book. And I'm actually working on my second one that's due out later this year. That's very specific to, uh, to business and self-improvement, but it is, yeah, there's there's a lot that I learned in that, but at the same time, you don't have to have those experiences to do something over the top. That is, that's my path, and that's how I learn those things. But that's why I do what I do. I mean, that's why I wrote my book was to attack my businesses, attack the physical nature of developing resilience and strength and the value of that. And the book is to address those mental, uh, emotional, or maybe even spiritual aspects of that because. One is, if you're looking to be a better human and improve yourself, you need to be attacking all of those avenues, right? And so um, that is, uh, that's something I, I definitely learned that I need to do an experience. That's a, a big thing for me. I call it walk in the walk. There's a lot of people that have great things to say, but unless they've done it, you've got to know and feel it. That's why I, I do those things. So like, you know, I talk about spinal mechanics. Well, I put myself to the test. You know, I'm somebody that had to learn to walk again at one point in my life due to back pain and nerve damage. 
And I came back to squat and deadlift, the only person ever to squat and deadlift a thousand pounds and to do it for reps. And I did that with no back pain. And that is, that's walking the walk. That's not just being, you know, not to knock anyone, you know, this skinny, skinny clinician that's never had more than 300 pounds on their back trying to tell you this stuff because they don't really know what it's like. I had to walk the walk of the pain too, like to know what it's like to be on the other side of the person that has been in those experiences. So, you know, that's a, that's a big thing for me is to really be able to be authentic and engage and understand where a person is at is to know and live some of those experiences. So it doesn't mean like, Hey, if you want to be a coach, you know, you've got to accomplish world-class things. But, you know, you should have spent some time in the weight room or in the field or whatever it is that you're coaching. You know, the performance on that level is obviously a bit genetic and other stuff as well. So it's not that you're the best, but you've you spent some time. You can't know how hard it is to to push a set to failure if you've never done it. Right. The leadership coaches out there that have never actually run a company or done anything, you know. It's like, well, I've worked as a consultant. Ah, I just don't value that stuff as much. So, um, so that's 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 been a big thing, I think, for me across uh, learning in my in my life. And I mean, if, I'm definitely if you got some other questions on things specifically, you know, let me let me know. Yeah, yeah. Who are you know? I ask this question a lot because I know we all have people that that come into our lives and also help us along the way. I think it's really I don't know if it's necessary, but I kind of feel like it's very, it's extremely important uh, to have people cross our paths that really kind of are those mentors, coaches, leaders for us inside of our life, kind of to guide us. And we can come to uh, when we need some counsel as well. So are there some championship leaders that uh, have impacted you? And if so, like, what are some of the characteristics of those people, individuals that, that helped you along that way? Yeah. I've got a couple that I can think of that came at pretty key points in my life. Uh, one was my, my high school wrestling coach. So he was, you know, that was obviously a challenging and transitional, you know, period of my life. And he didn't care whether we won or lost. He cared about who we were as a person. And that's what he coached. And again, that, that deep empathy and caring. Um, and trying to teach those bigger lessons in life that he uh, felt that uh, would be appropriate and walking the hard path. I mean, for example, my, my high school graduation, uh, he stood at the door and stopped my parents from coming in. They were drunk and he didn't want to have that experience for my graduation. You think that was probably an easy thing for him to do? No. Uh, as I made this transition in my career uh, more recently, it was a long time feeding into it. I'm really passionate about helping people get out of pain and live that better life. And so for years, I was debating actually going back to school to become something, you know, maybe a surgeon, a physical therapist, a Cairo. And I, I know a lot in that field, but my main kind of mentor that got me on this path of learning some of the stuff that I did around developmental kinesiology and really trying to figure out how that plays a role in uh, strength development and patterning. And 
uh, he's been, he's been really a mentor for me for a long time, helping me understand the value of relationships, understand that, you know, you can be the smartest person in the world, but there's so much more that you can learn from collaborating and working with other experts and things out there. And so, uh, when it came my time to make this move, I sat down with him and I said, Hey, I think I'm going to go back to school and get my PhD. And he said, really? Wow. I thought better of you. (laughs) And I said, what? He's like, all you want is some letters behind your name. And I'm like, well, you know, to validate my, you know, make me, you know, valid in that field. He's like, you know, if that's what you care for, you know, go for it. But he's like, you've already, you've already spent the time. You already know all this stuff. Like, what are you going to do? Do you want to work with people one-on-one? I'm like, no, I want to, I want to bring big change to the industry. It's like, do you need that then? It's like, or would you be better spent maybe spending an eighth of that time, an eighth of that money, instead of sitting in a classroom that you know 98% of it and a lot of it that you know is wrong, you're sitting there getting frustrated with because you know the people that wrote the books that they're trying to reference. Like, it's like, and uh, I'm like, okay, fair point. <laughs> I'm like, uh, and so uh, interesting thing though. That high school wrestling coach, that was another part of the state. Like, what was that? 20, 25 plus years ago. He's over in my other building. I got four, four buildings here right now. Okay. Um, I, he uh, works on our sales team. Uh, that, uh, that clinician I talked about, he's over in another building over there. Uh, he's working on our, uh, he works with uh, a couple of other clinicians there, and he is, developing one of the clinical components that we will be integrating in, into this larger vision that we're working on. It's uh, pretty crazy to have these people come back around and be, be there later in your life as you're trying to, uh, to do something, do something big. No, I love that. That's, that's incredible. That's going to feel good too. Um, you just talked about it. And, uh, and so I want to ask you about it. What is the vision for you? What's, what's the vision for what you're doing in, in Kabuki strength and, everything else that you have going on, like, um, you know, the great leaders, the championship leaders that have this vision that a lot of people, the many others don't, right? Everybody will look from the outside and, and at your vision and be like, what's going, like, you're crazy, right? But for those great leaders, they can see something that no one else can, but it's very clear to them. And then they have the courage to go and take action on that. So maybe even just, you know, short term, five years from now, what's, what's the big impact and vision that you want to make? Yeah. What I'm trying to do is both reinvent the gym space as well as that connection with training philosophies and clinical practice and separate those siloed industries and have them all working in one holistic fashion. So there's a lot of pieces to that, but imagine strength training equipment that fits the principles that you believe in for for movement and loading or creating that. Those movement and loading tools and principles are built around this new vision of a gym that rapidly accommodates to the variability in an individual's needs. There's le- their lever links, their mobility restrictions, and to do that from one to another so that you can train a large number of people in like, let's say, a group fitness style and then have a training system that uses those principles, but also allows you to manage 
the details individually of each of those clients. So you can basically individualize group fitness. So you can build the great things from those. You know, you see it in CrossFit culture, uh, community, adherence, but we're not able to individualize the training. We're not able to individualize the, the, the tools that they're working on uh, and then have a connection where you've got a, uh, a clinician that can speak the same language and is integrated in the same platform so that everything is, again, not just over the wall. And that where the coach and the clinician can actually communicate together on the same level. And maybe there's a mix and difference on actually what's who's doing what as far as assessments and and then what is being done uh, to to repattern or correct. Uh, it is so siloed and so broken. So my plan is to change the face of fitness and its integration with clinical practice and change the face of that as well. Okay. Big gnarly. I can't really go into all the details, but I've got it all spelled out. But there's a whole lot of things framework that I've got to invent up front to do that. And uh, I'm working on those things. People can see the gym aspect of it now. And they're like, oh, you guys make specialty barbells. That's cool. Well, that's because that stuff needed to be developed to fit this very large, bigger picture. And there's a lot of other stuff going on that will all start coming together in the uh, and the next five uh, years, it's been five years I've been working on this. So, and I got five years left on this 10-year kind of game plan to put all these chess pieces slowly, one move at a time, to all of a sudden change the face of what we see out there. Yeah, that's awesome. That's, and that's the kind of vision that, uh, that I'm talking about. I think that came to you. So thank you for sharing that. Give us a little piece of that. Um, I want to respect your time here. And I uh, know we've gone a little over, but uh, it's, time's kind of flown by. I'm getting an incredible story. What would be like if one or two things as we wrap this up that, you know, for our listeners, if they were to implement today, could help move their life forward today? Yeah, I'm going to give a couple here. So uh, is it all right if we go just a little long on your podcast? Absolutely. So I, I talked about, and I said, I, I guide some of these pieces in the, the eagle and the dragon, but is this understanding your values? So that's kind of like, what does that exactly mean? But it's really asking yourself these questions of why you want the things that you want. Maybe using the practice of five whys. This isn't a Sunday afternoon thing, but understand hey, I want to be, you know, head coach for the New York Yankees. Why do you want that? What's the reasons? Is it recognition? Is it a sense of accomplishment? Is it the income for security for your family? Like you're going to end up with these things that you can't really be a thing, right? I just listed a number of them. Uh, Recognition, security, creativity, like things are more ways of living. And start distilling down all those things. I want, I want a big house or I want, a, I want a big giant piece of land. Why? Why? And keep driving. And you'll end up coming down to these things. And I call them your core values. I don't think even that's the right name to describe them. But that will give you guidance because there's not just like, sometimes things happen. Hey, I want to be an NFL player. Uh, and then your knee got taken out in a game, game of flag, flag football and you'll never do that. Well, your life's not over if you actually understand why you wanted to do those things, because there's so many other avenues for you to express. So think about how can you express those values? How can I live this world that allows me to express that? So in my prior career, there was a lot of things that 
didn't allow me to do some of the things that I wanted, such as work in more of a creative fashion and have some of the passion about what I want to do. But I love helping people. And I was able to accomplish, I was able to see a lot of the things that I wanted by, by that, by the leadership, by the transformation. So I got some stuff out of that, right? It just wasn't everything that I wanted to live. And so this is creating this this North Star, this thing that is unattainable, but something that you can work towards every day. So that comes to the second piece of the discussion is start looking at your life as far as your priorities and prioritizing, I call it in reverse. So I want you to take everything that you're doing and throw it out the door. Do nothing. What day is this going to post on? Is it post on a Thursday? Do nothing on Friday, okay? Do nothing, all right? Like, why the hell would I do that? You just told me to work every day on something that's going to move me forward. Yeah. Okay. Now add back in some of those things that are going to move you a step forward. And then look at all the things that you were doing and go, well, what are the ones that come back to you? Don't look at them. Wait for those things to fall back that have to be done. I use the example of laundry. Pretty quick, you're going to find, I got to do laundry, right? Uh, so I got to mow the, I got to mow the grass. The wife yells at me. So there's going to be things that you have to do, but that'll quit pretty quickly find what you have to do. But the only way you can really do that is just remove everything to start with. So I call this step one, don't fucking do it. Step two, you got to do it. Okay. All right. How can I automate it? How can I make it a process? And you'll find that there's a lot of things that you're just like, Oh, Oh, I, 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 I'm just in the habit of doing these things. I, I go in and pay my bills every month. I, whatever it is, can I automate that? And then the, the next step from there is, all right, maybe it's delegate, but maybe you're not in a leadership role. Maybe you can't delegate those things. Maybe it's outsourcing. Maybe it's whatever it is. What is the value of your time? So in this three-step process, you're going to cut so much fluff and crap from your life and allow you to have the space to accomplish the things that you need to. And now every day, every week, understand what that North Star is, how you want to live, how you're going to get there and make sure that you're taking a step because it's going to be a long path. It's going to be not, not a month, not a year, it might be a decade. It might be multiple decades. It's really easy for you to get lost in this place of filling the time and void of your life, doing things, making yourself feel that you're you're accomplishing things. You're busy and you're knocking things off your to-do list. You're, you're killing your bucket list. You're, you're running around with your hair on fire. But the next thing you know, a month went by, three months went by, and you didn't actually do anything that moves you in the step of the things that you're really passionate, the way that you want to be accomplishing. So, so these are the, the things I really kind of drive for. This is, this is what's going to be, you'd be really start propelling you forward in life. Yeah. Those are my final thoughts. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, powerful. Thank you. That's powerful exercise to go through and definitely recommend listeners listening right now. Uh, if you're not driving or take some time to listen to this and be able to write some of that down and, and actually do some work on that. So thank you. What's, um, what are some ways that we can find out more about you? And I know you mentioned your books. How can we you know, get a hold of those? And, and, uh, yeah, yeah. So links to uh, all my websites and my social media is just on my, uh, or all my companies and my social media is on my, my, my personal website. So chrisduffin.com, that's 
Duffin, sp- spelled like muffin, but a D, or Christopher Duffin, either one works. And there's a free audio download of my book on there, along with one other book if you sign up for an Audible account through there. So pretty great deal. But you can just do it wherever. I don't really care. Uh, my book's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and I think like Target.com and the other stuff. I have no idea. If you want a signed copy, just go to Kabuki Strength. Again, the link will be on the site. I'm pretty easy to find if you just want to look me on the social media directly. You just type in my name and I'll come up. I'll be one of the first people. I got the little blue checky thing that people like uh, there. makes it easy to figure it out. I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn are the ones that I really interact on. My team keeps pushing me on the Twitter, but I just can't. Uh, the, the limited characters, there's too much nuance to the stuff that I talk about. It just doesn't work for me right now. So those are there. But like I said, links to everything on Chris Duff and Tom. But you got Kabuki Strength, best equipment and coaching out there. If you're not familiar with it, check it out. Barefoot Athletics, we make some freaking badass shoes for training and life in general. And if you're a supplement junkie, uh, love sharing what I use. And that's uh, Build Fast uh, Formula. So again, you can find all that on ChrisDuffin.com as well. The Eagle and the Dragon, like I said, you can find it anywhere. So, uh, Thank you so much for taking time today. I know you're a busy man, so I really do appreciate it. And uh, have a great day. Good Sam. Good talking with you, Nate. Let's go. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control. Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold. I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor. Me and my wife weren't all right. I didn't reconnect with it. I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties. But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself. I started seeing coaches. Life is a camera. I fixed the lens, and now I see in focus. Now my life's unrecognizable from my life just a couple years ago. 17 plus years of marriage. It's never been better than this. And we got three kids, that's who I do it for I'm gonna be a leader I'ma lead the way, cause I'm a firm believer We can do anything we want If I said it, then I meant it I probably already did it Consider it Consider it If you need some inspiration, you should play this Championship Leadership Podcast Hey, babe